Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at The MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to another edition of the My Fit Podcast. This week on the show, I'm accompanied by nutrition coach and CrossFit athlete, Frank Mastriani. Frank is the owner of Active Works Nutrition, where he works one-on-one with clients who are pursuing performance, body composition, and or lifestyle goals centered around nutrition. Frank has a passion for nutrition and helping others reach their goals. And honestly, it just oozes out of him when you're listening to him on this episode or just see him on social media. You can tell he truly has a deep passion for helping others and a passion for nutrition and helping people create a relationship that is healthy and just honestly full of vitality and longevity. I met Frank a few years ago at Training Think Tank, and ever since then, we've kept in touch because I really just uh, love watching him do what he does best and also the way he's able to communicate uh, a really a, a no BS mentality when it comes to nutrition. I think we need more coaches out there like himself. And today we kind of broke the show into three different sections. Uh, I wanted to create three separate buckets as Frank does with his clients and talk about what are those three and how do we categorize people into the, those three buckets. And the buckets were pretty simple. Are we eating and are our goals geared towards performance? Are they geared towards aesthetics or towards just eating better and living for a healthier lifestyle? I think this is super important for people to start to understand uh, what is their goal? Why do they want their goal to be the goal? Uh, We've talked many times on the podcast when it comes to training. Are you training for a sport? Are you training to look better? Are you just training for um, just pure longevity? Because the more clear I think you can get on those three things, the more clear your training can be. And ultimately, um, as human beings, we just crave alignment and making sure that we're on the right path. So we talked about performance, aesthetics, and lifestyle. And from that stemmed a bunch, a bunch of questions like, why is nutrition? Why does nutrition need to be so individualized? What's the number one mistake that most people are making when it comes to their nutrition? Uh, why is CrossFit not the best exercise program for body composition? Also applicable things like how to add more food into your diet or even how to get out of drinking alcohol. If you're in a social situation, you're not looking to drink alcohol. So lots of fun stuff and different avenues for people. And I I feel like anybody that listens is listening to the show, you fall under the bucket of either performance aesthetics and or lifestyle. So hopefully there's something in this for you. If you guys do enjoy the show, make sure to give a rating and review. I always love seeing those pop up on iTunes or Instagram. It really makes my day and also helps boost the show tremendously. So I thank you guys all for your support. And lastly, our legends uh, code just recently got changed. It's just a new season. So they're adding a new code in um, for you guys. So if you are looking for new workout gear, be sure to check out legends clothing apparel and use the new code MyFit. 215 at checkout to receive 15% off your order. That's M I F I T 
215 at checkout to receive 15% off. All right. Hope you guys enjoy this awesome episode with Frank Mastrioni. Without further ado, let's get to it. Frank, welcome to the MyFit Podcast, brother. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. But, uh, to be here. Yeah. I always look forward to your content and everything that you put out on social media. And lately, man, you've been putting out just some heat and I'm like, I got to get this guy on. I got to talk to him about some of the things <laughs> he's putting out there. And uh, what, what I really admire about you, Frank, is you're just no BS mentality, uh, your authenticity and just the way you can kind of, I don't know, take any sort of gray area out as much as you can, even through something, a platform like social media. So hopefully we can get into some of that stuff today too. Yeah, totally. Totally. It, it's definitely, I try to articulate my philosophy pretty well in like the most fundamental way I can. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so for the people that don't know you, Frank, let's talk a little bit about uh, what do you do? How did you get into nutrition coaching? Um, and how is it different from other nutrition coaching styles? Yeah. So I am a CrossFit athlete competitor and I've been doing nutrition coaching full-time for six five years since 2016. Um, I got into it because I was introduced to a company and they were like teaching me macros. So I was a client under a company and then they were like, Hey, do you want to be a coach? Um, this was a company out of Indiana. And I was like, yeah. So like I did a little bit of mentorship and kind of like it, you know, if you're a client into a company, you have an idea as to how the coaching or administration side kind of works. So I was like, okay, well, you know, they're, they're communicating with clients. They, you know, they have a monthly fee. I, I knew all these things because I was a client under the company. So I was like, you know what? I really like this stuff. It's working for me. I like this method and I wanted to learn more about it. So I started coaching through their company. Um, this is at the same time I was running a CrossFit affiliate here in town. Um, and I just decided that eventually I wanted to start my own company. I wanted to try to do something remotely. And this was kind of the simultaneous time I hired Kyle Ruth at Training Think Tank. And I had an idea or glimpse into the world of remote coaching that, oh my God, like this guy from Georgia can really coach me efficiently all the way over here in Ohio. So um, I knew it was possible to have an online career and I explored that universe, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to start reading books about nutrition. I'm going to start kind of like taking Kyle's structure of how he communicates with people and applying that to nutrition stuff. Eventually, I decided to go all in after like maybe two years of this. And like 2014 and 2016 was like, you know, the onboarding process of me being interested in it and uh, decided to just start like a company. Like I knew nothing about how to start a company. So I was like Google researching, talking to people that had businesses. I had no idea what it was. I just knew like the past couple of years I had experience coaching for two or three years, running a gym, programming classes, having group discussions and, you know, structuring time flow for CrossFit classes. So once I started to do that, I started to slowly mold, like, I don't know if it's like my method or my identity in 2016. And I've been doing that full time. Um, in terms of my philosophy, it's changed over time. Um, the, it, it's complicated to say like, I know what other people do in the coaching industry and I know what I do. And the way I try to explain it to people is that my methods for nutrition coaching are a, they're basically like an end result of me hiring like 10 different mentors in the past five years. Mm. So I, I'm like really curious. I want to know how people do things. I want to know how people operate. Um, part of that curiosity, I think is because in my developmental years early on, like 22 years old, I hired a training think tank who is really thoughtful in their methods and like kind of rubbed off on me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 
at the end of the day, the main question for me is always like, what is the highest quality of coaching in terms of nutrition that I can possibly conceive of? And how can I create that for my own company? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I want to be like the best company out there. I want to be better than these other people. It's just like, okay, well, within the people that I have range of impact, like within the people that I have connections, how can I make their nutrition experience the best possible experience that I can think of in my mind? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I hired a lot of mentors along the way. I hired business mentors. I hired nutrition coaches to coach me. I hung, I hired uh, functional medicine doctors from different countries to like read my blood work to see how they operate. And I like took different pieces of what they do in terms of workflow and communication with the client and adapted and, and just took some of them, just took some of them. Like I like this piece of like what Ben House did for me, or I like this. I like how Kyle does this with his clients. So I'm going to take that, but I'm going to like leave the rest to him and I'm not going to adopt, adopt those methods. Um, I did a lot with Jason Phillips and I, I work with Mike Costelli now, and I take some of their scheduling methods, some of their workflow methods, and I just reverse engineered that to create, okay, like how, how can I manage my time better? so that I can think clearly and more productively for the client. And then how can I um, create a workflow that makes sense and doesn't really overwhelm the client so that whenever they're going out and eating food and logging it, they don't feel stressed or overwhelmed. And so that they feel like they're my only client, really. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I've um, approached my whole like workflow and, and nutrition coaching style, I would say. That's cool, man. I think you and I are, uh, we're very similar in that aspect because I'm the same way. I tried to, I mean, that's one reason why I started the podcast, right? Because I'm curious and I want to learn from as many different people as I can. You take from certain people, you leave from certain people and you kind of mold yourself into the person you want to be. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to interview people and surround yourself with the people that, that you look up to and that you admire. Um, throughout this conversation, I think we're going to have a lot of parallels between training and nutrition because they, they obviously go together, but there's a lot of life lessons that line up beside those. And I think one of them being when you go through training, do a templated program, it's very just, you know, X's and O's. There's not a whole lot of foundation behind it, or you can do something like get a coach and it's much more personalized for you. It seems like through um, your methods that you take a very personalized approach. Why, Frank, is that so important to you when it comes to nutrition? Why is it so important to keep things personalized? That's a very interesting question because my viewpoint on this comes from a personal experience that I had with body image and nutrition. And so the reason why I think it's important is because I've had a personal experience with nutrition in the past, as well as how I feel about my body image. Um, and so I'm going to discuss kind of where that originates from in my emotions and my psyche, mm -hmm. and then how I think it applies to other people through having coached for the last five years. So growing up, food was like something I definitely overconsumed as a child. And I remember doctor's visits about like the doctors talking to my mom about, I, I need to lose weight. And it's just not, it doesn't feel good to rec like recall those memories, but those memories tailored like the amazing life that I have now, right? Those experiences were motivating factors for me to get my, get my life together in terms of food and fitness um, in my, in my early twenties. So, you know, I had some negative experiences with food and body image. I, you know, I felt overweight. I was not confident in my body. And so I wanted to make changes. Now, 
this came with a lot of experimentation, whether that was trusting in mentors or magazine diets, like stuff that you would open in a mag, like men's health mag or something like that. Um, no carb diets, like implement this training program. Like I literally was that guy who tried those training programs um, and tried those nutrition methods of eating a can of green beans, no salt added because I was worried about retaining water, like <laughs> to the extreme levels. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I tried that. I tried templated systems where I just like put in my email address, my height, weight, my age, and like, hey, like this is my goal. Um, and it not having any information onto who I am as a person or the type of life that I live at the time, right? So I've tried these methods and concluded that at some point they just didn't work. I always felt restricted. I felt emotional stress with it. I felt a burden of not of like maybe temporary results, but it was so overwhelmingly negative that I was like, this sucks. Like, I just don't want to do this. I, this food's bland. I don't want to eat the same things every day. You know, I wasn't really living. So in terms of how I think that's important for people on an individual basis is just because we're people and having conversations like this, you can hear emphasis of the voice. You can hear people voice their concerns. People have shaky voices. They're nervous. They don't want to implement specific things that you'll recommend. And you're not going to get that if you implement a very cookie cutter plan, correct? Like I feel like the individual person might need the same nutrition principles as somebody else. Okay. Uh, take for example, okay, you want to lose body fat. Now we must put you in a calorie deficit relative to what you're burning or what your maintenance is. Correct. But the roadmap to get me there is going to be different than the roadmap to get you there because of what you do in terms of your life schedule. Um, you might be married, you might have children, you might have a workflow that doesn't promote um, the type of strategy that a cookie cutter diet or template program recommends. So taking into consideration these individual variables through conversation and writing everything out and creating a thoughtful plan for the individual um, I've seen more success with that. And it just, it's, it's how I want to run my coaching program. You know um, I could switch to like an email only, or like only give macros. It's just my preference. I think a lot of it comes down to preference and what we, what, how we want to serve the industry and how we want to serve the client. And that's basically like my thoughts process behind why, why I take an individual approach, you know, like I want to develop, I want to develop relationships with my clients you know, they're trusting in me with a very big aspect of their life. So, you know, I want to be involved with like, hey, like, how are your children doing in school? Like, it, how's that playing on your stress levels? You know, are they still doing at home schooling, you know, Zoom schooling, things like that. I've had many of these discussions with people and I feel like playing an integral part of their life gets increases buy-in, increases adherence and increases overall satisfaction with any recommendations that I might give them to, to get the results that they want. Mm -hmm. And something you've posted about numerous times is just the idea of lifestyle and how as a coach, Frank, it seems that uh, the telling them what to eat and doing some of that stuff is, is a very small piece of it. Sometimes, sometimes it's much more of a lifestyle coaching. Can you talk to us about the importance of coaching lifestyle, even as a nutrition coach and how those two correlate? Yeah. So they always say it's like, it's a lifestyle, right? Like you, ha it, you have to make it a lifestyle. It's very clear. It's very clickbaity and cliche, but it's very true because here's my thought process, right? Okay. Person comes to me and they want help, but they've tried yo-yo dieting. They rebound from diets consistently and they just don't understand. Like nobody comes to a nutrition coach because they haven't figured out. Right. 
everybody needs some sort of like recommendation on what action items to take next. Now, for me, I think the best way to approach this is by looking at the life that they live and tailoring a plan around that. Because if you tell them, hey, you have to do these things, but then their lifestyle doesn't permit that, it's going to feel overwhelming. They're going to have to make really aggressive changes. It's like, well, you know, you can't eat five meals a day if you're working a construction job. Like it's just not going to happen, right? So taking into consideration where they are right now within their lifestyle, what their training regimen is and what the whole, like just the way that they want to live is going to reduce a lot of the stress expectations that they have. Like it's, it's going to be manageable and people, I don't know if coach coaches might, but like people in the nutrition space that like me, like I'm a client as well. Um, we take for granted, like how easy things can be if we just took a step back and dissected the situation of saying, all right, this is my schedule. This is what makes sense for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because, you know, I had a call with a client today and she was like, I, it's almost too easy. She's like, I'm just not stressed out. I feel like I should be more miserable doing this. And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> like, like, that's like, that's your old mindset. Like you're fitting something within your life. You're learning new skills. You're able to eat foods that you thought you couldn't eat. You know, you're able to have takeout at lunch with all the girls at the salon. Like there's a lot of moving pieces with that. So I always like to take into consideration like your specific lifestyle and how can we work with that? And I think too, the more, just to piggyback on it, the more restricted we get or the more uh, rules we put in or the more complicated it is, the easier it is to burn out and flake out. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, like just think of it in a common sense way, like, all right, Hey Frank, you want to get results, but I'm going to tell you all the things you're not allowed to have. Um, like I have coffee right here. I love coffee. If a coach tells me that, Hey Frank, you're not allowed to have coffee. Like I'm not going to work with that person. Like I just, cause it's just something I like. It's a part of my day. I'm not going to like not have it. Um, it's just silly. It's silly Mm -hmm. to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's just being able to, no, yeah. I was just saying, just being able to find that lifestyle approach where like, like you said, with the construction work or something like that, like the best coaches I think are the people that can work around what you've got. Those things aren't going to change your life. If you have kids, you you have kids, we can't really work around that. So what, what can we do to, what are some of the hacks or what are some of the little things that we can do throughout the day to make sure that we're finding your goals? And that's going to look different from person to person. Totally different. Yeah. It's going to look totally different. I mean, even their children are going to have different school schedules, right? I mean, different education methods, different like, um, and they're working from home for different hours while their kids are learning from home. So it's like, it it gets very complex. And I think that this is what, you know, this is why traditional diets or template systems will fail people, you know, and I say fail people because like people will implement a template system or a, some sort of diet program or 13 week challenge or 30 day challenge. And it's like, it doesn't, address the underlying Mm. personality traits of the person and it doesn't address their specific circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the program would fail you, you not fail the program, but you feel like a failure because you implemented something that was inappropriate for you. Totally. When I went on your website last night, Frank, I learned uh, when when you want to work with you that you pick three different options. It was improved performance, fat loss, or lifestyle and balance. And those are, this is something I really want to get into uh, in this conversation is trying to figure out those three buckets. Talk to me about why do you have those three and why is it important? Why is it important to you to to decide between those three, improve performance, fat loss, lifestyle, and balance? 
Okay. So this comes back to just a basic understanding of calorie balance and understanding just intention of setting something up, right? So the intention of any nutrition plan should be tailored around the goals of the person. If somebody wants to improve performance, the nutrition needs are going to be relative to the goal and the training program that they're implementing. If somebody wants to implement lifestyle and balance, that's going to look totally different than a performance-based nutrition plan. Um, when you're focused on lifestyle and balance, you're going to be having more conversations about how can we eat at restaurants with friends and family? How are we, um, how are we entering social occasions mindset wise? Like, are you able to eat and be in tune with your hunger signals, things of that nature? Um, body fat loss is also opposite of those two. It's like, you know, we can have a blend of lifestyle and balance with that, but when we're eating for fat loss, we're focusing on body composition principles. Like we're focusing on trying to reduce the amount of body fat on a person, um, and that on a nutrition structure calorically is going to look different than performance and lifestyle balance. Like the, the intentions are just different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, could we get more complex and put different categories? Yeah. But there's typically three different, you know, branches that I can think of in my mind of like, okay, performance athletes, um, you know, strength and strength athletes. And then we have body fat weight loss programs. And then we have people who just want to eat for life and manage nutrition with their life, which there are people like that. There mm -hmm. might be fewer, but, you know, most people underlying when they set a, a nutrition goal, they want to be able to balance it with their lifestyle and, and remove the anxiety behind that. So that's why I have those three categories, because however we set the plan up is going to be tailored around what that that North Star is going to be. Right. I can totally resonate with this, Frank, because this is how, you know, when I saw those three, I was like, yes, that makes total sense. And as a, as a fitness coach myself, those are the, those are the three I'm trying to figure out when a new client wants to work with me in a personal training setting too. I'm like, well, what are we mm -hmm. trying to get out of this? What are your three goals? So maybe Frank, what we can do, let's try to unpack each one of these and maybe talk about some of the misconceptions on them, some of the things to remember, some of the things to let go of when it comes to these three buckets. So, so let's start with performance. What are some things that people need to think about when they're eating for performance? Eating for performance is going to be tailored around your training program, whether that's strength adaptations, you want to get stronger at specific lifting, you want to improve race times, you want to like in CrossFit, you want to improve workout times or how easy workouts feel. You know, at the end of the day, the gym is a tearing mechanism, a tearing down mechanism to make the body stronger through recovery methods. You want to adapt to your training. You want to make sure that when you do something like you hold a, you know, 145 row pace on the rower for a 1K, you want to continue to be able to hold that, get better at holding that and make that perceived effort feel less so that you become a higher performer. Now, on a nutrition standpoint, the calorie needs are going to be relative to the person. So per, your calorie target is going to be different. Um, but the macronutrients and the calories are going to be set around the specific type of training that we do. Um, the principles I would say for a performance-based athlete are going to be things like sustained energy throughout the day, particularly in the middle of a training session. So fading out during a training session is something that is indicative of probably chronic underfeeding to the point, to a point, maybe even acute underfeeding. Um, but we want to see most recovery methods improving. Um such as sleep quality, you want to be well-slept, well-fed. You don't want to have any chronic inflammation, aches and pains. Um, you don't want to be panting during your workout. So we're addressing hydration and sodium intake as well. And you don't want to burn out, right? A well-fueled performance athlete is going to have like a pre-post-workout supplement regimen. 
um, locked in as well as a macronutrient and calorie prescription that is designed for them to recover from these training, from these training sessions. Now, you know, this is going to be specific to different phases of a performance athlete too. Um, the intensity of the session is going to have, have an impact on fueling needs. And so is the volume of the week, you know, um, it's just going to look different for everybody, but that's the emphasis of a nutrition plan. Whenever we're looking at performance athletes, in terms of body fat loss, it's the polar opposite. Like, it's hold on one second. Even- I, w- I want I want to break that down just a little bit more. So, so at the performance, okay. what do you think, Frank? What do you think are the mistakes that people are making in in the performance bucket? That's complicated because I think people are underfeeding to a very large degree in performance because they're worried about cosmetics and body composition. Um, I think social media has an influence on this, and I think that. Um, personal expectations and like, you know, obviously vanity reasons. We all want to look good and perform good at the same time. But I think people are very hesitant sometimes to add food in Mm -hmm. because they're worried. Um, It's a very complex part of the performance space, but I think that's one of the biggest, biggest issues. I also think like performance athletes don't, from my experience, excuse me, like drinking enough water consistently, like just simply drinking enough water, which is crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, my favorite post that you put out and it blew up, and I think it's the perfect time to talk about it is quote CrossFit is not the sport of who can be the leanest. I loved it. Posted, I thought it was awesome. Talk to me a little about. It. I think that fits right in the in this performance category. Tell me about that post. <sighs> Man, I've been doing CrossFit since 2013, and like the way that they portray the elite athletes is obviously like they all look like Greek gods, right? And it's like, okay, this is great for marketing. It's a good marketing tactic, but when you start actually training CrossFit, you're like, why the why is this not happening for me? Um, little do people know, it's like, I mean, it, it's just a social media comparison game. I think, man, it's like obviously common sense. We all want to look good. We all want to look good. We all want to look sexy, feel sexy. We'll, we want to look attractive to other people. We want people to look at us and be like, man, that, that person like trains and like they work hard and they look great. We all want that. I think that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's like, no duh. But when it comes to like the training methodology of CrossFit at the bottom level, it's like, that's not why CrossFit's the thing especially the CrossFit games. Like it's not cross the CrossFit games is not the same as CrossFit, the training methodology for every everyday people at the gym. Right. And so like, once you make the distinction that, okay, well, these CrossFit games athletes are not training or living the same lifestyle as everyday people in the gym. Okay. So what does that imply for um, nutrition needs? Well, you have the persuasion of whether that's intentional or unintentional of like people look at these CrossFit games athletes and like strive to attain that because it's like, okay, well here's potential. Here's, here's potential. Here's what's possible. These people look like this little do people know it's like a lot of these athletes might be starving themselves. A lot of these athletes aren't happy with their body image. Um, A lot of them are this lean because they are literally training all hours of of the day. They have their life set up in such a way where they don't have children or they might have children. And all they do aside from being a parent or running a business is train CrossFit. So there's just a lot of like, there's a lot of missed information that people don't take into consideration. And then they set these crazy expectations for themselves whenever they enter the gym. Right. And since CrossFit's a training methodology dedicated towards athleticism and well i would say like crossfit's a great training methodology for developing natural athletics in the human body right like i mean explosiveness all the 
anything you could think of in terms of athletics, but that's what it's geared towards. It's not geared towards making people look great, right? It's not the sport of who can have the nicest abs. Like that's bodybuilding. That's that training methodology. And so people will enter a CrossFit setting. And because CrossFit training is so hard and the media, like the CrossFit media or whatever it is, or just Instagram in general, it's like people think because they're working so hard that um, they're going to look like these people that have different lifestyles, different genetics, different meal plans, different access to even drugs that we don't know about. You know what I mean? But then that's a whole separate discussion, but it's, but it's true. You know, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they set these unreal, unrealistic expectations for their own body fat progress. And it just, it, it creates a lot of frustration for people. Yeah, even this me. Is, this, yeah. Is a to- this is a topic, man, that I love to talk about because I think it's so prevalent in the gym space. Do you think it's, uh, do you find it challenging, Frank, for maybe your clients to, uh, they want to be in the performance bucket? They think they want to, but in reality, they much more want to be in that body fat, body comp bucket mm-hmm. instead. Do you see that being like, a crossover in between. They think they want to perform and do that, but then they're like, oh my gosh, I don't have my six pack anymore. I don't have <laughs> yeah. what I thought I was going to have. Does that ever happen? Oh, it happens. And I experience it right now. Like I'm in that bucket. I'm in the in-between, right? Because I'm off season. It's summertime. I want to look good. But but here's the, here's like, here's the psychology I think of a CrossFit person. In the gym, don't even care what I look like. I want the muscle up. I want the double unders. I want to put up the good score. I want to be competitive in class and just be like, hell yeah, I'm a beast. When I leave the gym, I want to be the best looking person that I can be, right? Like, I don't even care about training. I don't care about my ring muscle up. I want to look hot whenever I'm walking out in public, right? Like, that's, if I can summarize the psychology, I feel like that's the most um, relatable, right? Mm-hmm. So, I definitely see an in-between on the two. But it, And the problem is that the eating behaviors of somebody who wants that are going to be different than somebody who wants to be a performance athlete. No. Yep, I do. That That's awesome. One of the things you said, just if we're going to continue on this performance one before going on the next one was they're definitely going to be dialed in on pre and post workout. I understand a lot of your stuff is personalized, just like training is. But if we could just maybe talk a little bit more about the principles or just some things that people should be dialed in. Can you just dive a little deeper on what should that pre and post workout look like if you're a performance driven athlete? Okay. So a pre, some principles for a pre training pre-training meal are dependent on the time availability of the person. I like to eat 60 to 160 eh, to 90 minutes before training. And I eat something that's like easily digestible. So when you're going into a training session where your ribs are going to be expanding, your heart rate's going to be near max, you're going to be breathing really heavy, sweating, moving your body fast, like let's say burpee box jump overs or running even, right? You want to feel light, but you want to have some sort of energy on the gut. Um, eat something that's easily digestible, eat something that's not going to sit very heavy. So things like added fats, like nuts, avocados, things like that. Eggs tend to be fine. Um, some cheeses seem to be fine, but it just, it just depends on the person, right? Like what their palate likes, what they like to eat, things like that. Post-training is one, probably one of the most important because of what we see in, like in CrossFit in particular. I think that you know protein shake post-training is reasonable, um, but primarily in CrossFit, I think after intense training bouts, you should see some sort of two to one ratio of carb to protein or one to one ratio of carb to protein. The reason being because of the nervous system impact of the carbohydrates. Um, so when we train, right, we're really ramped up. We're in the sympathetic nervous system, which is our, you know, fight or flight nervous system. A problem in performance based athletes 
or something that we need to be mindful of is the risk of under recovering from our training, which implies, you know, long-term burnout, under fueling, increases in inflammation, reduced immune system function, all the above, right? How can we mitigate this with nutrition practices? Well, relative to the individual, you know, how many sessions a day are they having and how can we recover post-training? If we're constantly leveraging cortisol, which is a stress hormone, right? We have a finite amount of it. It's not like glycogen to where we can eat sugar and get it back. What we see is burnout after workouts, like things of that nature. If we're consistently doing this over the course of time, we get a downregulation of metabolism, energy, and we need to offset this somehow. The way that we can offset this on a nutrition standpoint immediately post-workout with supplementation is to have some sort of carbohydrate powder with the protein right? You don't even need the protein, but it, it's good to pair it with protein because why not? I mean, if you just did a, a big training session, it would make sense to put protein with it. Um, so having that maybe 15 to 20 minutes immediately post-workout, not immediately, but at post-workout, 15 to 20 minutes post-workout, um, hop on a bike, cool down. If you establish this principle alone, because some people don't want to eat after training, um, you're going to elicit a recovery response consistently and the sooner that you elicit this recovery response or this dose of recovery, you're able to start recovering for your next session, whether that's the next day or like later in the day. Mm -hmm. And so think about if you do this consistently over the course of a year, right? Like that's a really good practice to have, right? You build on it over time. It just becomes second nature. Okay. I have my carb protein shake. Um, and this also will, would be no different for somebody who has a competition, in between events, it's the same thing. So the carbs are easily digestible by the gut. It's not something that you need to have really high hunger to eat. Like it's probably sweet and palatable. Like it's good. So that th those would be my recommendations for pre and post method. Um, I would say if you want to have a meal after your training session, make it something that sounds enjoyable and something that would sit well on your stomach. Mm -hmm. A lot of performance-based nutrition is going to be dependent on like what works for the person's gut right? Because you don't want to have digestive distress. You don't want to be burping up acid. You don't want to have, you don't want to like eat something that makes you sleepy and yawn as well. So something that we said earlier, and I think it needs to be reiterated is that a lot of the people in the performance bucket are underfed. And we talked about their psychology behind that. People don't want to go the other end of the spectrum, et cetera. But I, in my experience, Frank, I've seen people severely underfed when they're trying to, to be in a performance athlete. And it's almost mind blowing to me how can we combat this and how can we educate people that food is fuel when you're a performance athlete? I think it's just, it comes down to having conversations, right? I don't know how to answer that aside from saying like, sit down with the person and have a conversation and like be very, very, very clear as to what they need to do. You know, if somebody really wants to perform, they're going to be probably receptive, although maybe resistant. But if you can slowly have conversations and break down barriers, or any, I'll take any progress, right? Like we don't need to make all the progress at once to say, all right, we're going to get you totally fueled. It's like, let's at least develop some sort of progress and trust here so that we can build on it in the, in the weeks and the months to come. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think a big reason why people are underfed though is like fear, like I think people are afraid to get fat. I think people want to stay lean. I think a lot of people who, on Instagram want clout and likes and they underfeed themselves intentionally. And it's like, they're like, yeah, this works for me. And it's like other people try that and they don't understand their influence on people. 
So people will be like, yeah, I fast for 15 hours a day and I train like six hours of CrossFit. It's like, God, like that's terrible for people. You know, that's not, that's not good. It's probably not even good for that person, but they're lean and they get attention when they post a shirtless picture. So they're addicted to that cycle, you know? So it gets very complex. And I think having discussions at the individual level is just the only way mm-hmm. I, I, I personally can't conceive of another way to help break down the barriers in that. And you don't even have to be in the performance bucket for some of these conversations, right? I mean, we could be doing CrossFit once a day, not, not <laughs> competing at all, right? But mm-hmm. you could still be severely underfed where we need to talk about using food as fuel. Oh yeah. Just on like a baseline health standpoint, right? Just a baseline health standpoint. Like if somebody wants to lose body fat, but they're in this like endless cycle of binging and restricting food, it's like, we need to have a conversation again. I think it comes down to having a conversation. That's why I have phone calls with clients. Like that's why I like doing discussions. Like I'm talking to you right now. Like I, I prefer, um, I do written and spoken word. I just feel like all avenues should be pursued. And I feel the only way to really get a really good idea is that to have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to break down the barriers and, and create, like you have to build trust somehow. And, and the way I build trust with you might be different than, you know, one of my other clients or like, you know, a woman who has a history of restrictive eating, you know, and then she has hormonal issues with her cycle. And then that's a whole different discussion. Right. So it gets very complex, but I think having conversations is the answer. And I think too, looking at it more positively, I remember when like Michael Phelps was at his prime, people were always like blown away by how much he was eating. And oh my. well, it just goes to show too, that like that, that is what it takes to be a performance athlete. Obviously he's on a, a much different level than, than a lot of us, but it's the idea of you need to feel your body appropriately in order to perform. It's, it's, I mean, there's, there's truth to that. And I think too, you le- even look at, you even look at the females in the sport of CrossFit, they're eating a lot of food and they look great. Of course, so and, they're perfor- food. and they're performing at a high level. I don't think people understand maybe how much food they're actually eating Mm -hmm. yeah so much food i have a client who she's five foot two 140 and she eats more than me and it's like you know that's fine i'm jealous but her metabolism is more efficient than mine for some reason you know she burns more calories per day than i do for whatever reason you know she she walks on her feet i work behind my desk and train CrossFit twice a day. She trains CrossFit two to three times a day, but she also walks around a gym all day. So it's crazy, man. I mean, like I'll post my macros on Instagram and people, I'll get messages from people and they're like, why are you eating so little? And I'm like, cause if I eat more, I'll get fat. And it's like, but that's my macros, right? Like I wish I could eat the 400 grams of carbs a day that these other females do. And I'm jealous of them, but this is why it's individualized, right? Mm -hmm. I know if I consume the same macros as somebody else that like, I'm going to get fat. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's dicey. It's dicey to compare. You, You can't, you can't. So that's the performance bug. I think we did a really good job going through that. Let's talk about the body fat and the body comp bucket. And I think everybody's ears perk up because a lot, this is where we're at in my experience, Frank, talk to us a little bit about what are things, what are the principles, what do we need to keep in mind? And then maybe some misconceptions as well when the goal is body comp. Yeah. Oh, this is complicated. So we, like I said earlier, like we all want to look good. We all want to feel good. We all want to have a lean body. We all like, that's the typical, like when people tell me they're like, you know, I don't care how much I weigh. I just want to look better. Cool. It's like, we all want, that's why people typically hire a nutrition coach. Um, the principles of a calorie, the principles of a fat loss protocol for somebody is going to be different. 
Um, what I see a lot of is people chronically under consuming calories and really stress the hell out. And so this is complicated because now you're saying somebody's hiring a nutrition coach and the coach tells them, Hey, Frank, you're not eating a lot. You're not eating enough food to lose fat. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So where do we go from here? And it's like, <laughs> there will be people in the research space that will say that, no, that person is just not logging meticulously enough and they're over consuming food on a regular basis. And it's like, yeah, but like also no, because I've, you know, I've lived with people who consume under 600 calories a day and I see them gain weight. And so, you know, like, what is this mechanism? I don't, I personally don't know how to explain it, but I see it. It's like anecdotal. Like I see it, but I don't know how to explain it. Um, I know the principles behind how to get people out of it. And it's through reverse dieting. It's, you know, through establishing, Hey, I know that mentally you want to remove calories to lose body fat. And in principle, in the law of thermodynamics, it's like, yeah, like that is truth, but it's not going to work because of the fact that like you're in this weird space of like being very stressed and not really eating. And so what this does is it causes you to binge eat like once or twice a week. And so we need to get you out of this cycle by feeding you enough day to day. Right. And this is aside from if like the binging that they experience is like a disorder, right? Like I'm not equipped to handle that, but in terms of like getting people to consume enough food, we have to get them healthy enough so that their body responds well. Mm -hmm. Meaning like the stress demands of most people's lives are so in excess that they're not recovering well. And so since nutrition is one method of recovery, we couple this with like lifestyle practices of drinking enough water, getting enough sunlight, moving their body in like less intense ways, um, sleeping enough, things of that nature. And we see a lot of improvements in overall energy, hunger response, and um, mood elevation, sleep quality, things like that. They become more in tune with their hunger signals. They're like, I'm finally hungry again. It's like, yeah, okay, now we're, now we're talking. Now we have these biofeedback measures. Your body's sending positive signals. Your psyche is becoming aware of it. And now we can build um, on this long-term. So it's usually like a, 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 an initial phase of getting people healthy enough um, and improving their energy. And then from there, we can focus on the body composition specific goals that they have. Does that make sense? It does. How often are you getting people coming to you and you're finding out that they're underfed? How common is that? 99% of the time. It's crazy to me. Like not, e like not even a question, dude. Like every person I know, whenever I look at their food journal over the, like, cause I have every client do like a seven day food journal. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Hey, all right, we're going to start next week. They log for seven days as generally as they can. I review it and I go over it with them and I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm seeing. It's like 99% of the time people are just way low. And I'm like, this cannot like, like dangerously low sometimes, but I'm like, it's almost every time. So I imagine somebody in their car listening right now and they're going, Hmm, I wonder if, I wonder if I'm underfed. And I know, again, this is very relative and personalized, but how do you know if you're an underfed athlete, underfed client? Yeah. Well, if you're eating 1200 calories a day, you're probably underfed, right? <laughs> That's like so low. I'd say like, listen to how the body feels. And this is something that I take pride in teaching people um, is like, listen to how your body feels. It sends you signals every day. You think about it every day. You just don't always like, there's a lot of noise, right? So think of trying to find the signals through the noise of the day. Hunger is a signal. Fullness after eating is a signal. Digestion is a signal. Um, mood is a signal. Are you getting hangry and irritable because you're not eating in the midday? Are you crashing in the midday? Are you having issues with waking up? Are you having issues falling asleep at night? I'd say, look at those first.
Yeah. Something you said was the first thing you want to do with a body comp client is get them healthy first. Does that just mean, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but does that, that just mean get them to be eating more or what does it mean to get somebody healthy first? Yeah, it's relative, right? So it's like, okay. Um, sometimes it's emotionally trusting me with like implementing a food that they previously thought was bad, but then they eat it and they're like, oh, I actually don't feel terrible after eating that food. Um, it could be on a legitimate physiological level getting their body elevated with energy because I have their carbs up a little bit. I have their fats up a little bit. Um, their sleep is improving, right? They're not awake at night. I'd say health metrics would be more in line with like biofeedback signals, like hunger, sleep quality, energy throughout the day, regulated appetite, um, not eating until they're sick to their stomach. Um, an elevated hunger signal in the morning is good. Waking up with good energy. I think these are all really positive things. And that's whenever we're like, okay, now let's put more emphasis on like outcome related targets, like body composition, mm. weight targets, how, how are your clothes feeling, things of that nature. Mm. But if you're feeling like trash and your workouts aren't going well, you're dragging to the gym, you have no sex drive, your digestion sucks, like good luck getting the body to look the way that you want it to look, right? So it's almost like we need to start with a lot of internal things, Frank, before we can start looking at, I know, I know your goal is to have a six pack and I know your goal is to have yeah. bigger biceps, whatever it is. But before we get there, we have to correct and look at a lot of lifestyle and some internal things, your psyche. It, it's much more starts inside the body before you start getting, if you will, outside the body. Yeah. So if you think of it, the entire, like everything is internal. The, the external body is a representation of everything happening internal. So whether that's like your mental discipline within your day and how you act to your emotional quality, like your emotional state de determines your demeanor, right? Like if you're in a sad state, like you're going to slouch your shoulders and you're going to be probably physically displaying that you're in, in a sad mood, right? Um, I think physiologically with everything on the metabolism and hormone standpoint, if you're feeling good, the body will represent that. Mm -hmm. And then you can be intentful and mindful within nutrition manipulation to sculpt the body how you want over time, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I think too, the, it comes back to the, the under eating thing. And, and I think some people would think, well, I'm not, I'm not, Frank, I'm not in the performance bucket, so I don't need to eat as much as the people that are in the performance bucket. Well, how would you- now, Fair would enough. You fair enough. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't, you, you won't need to eat as much as people in the performance setting. Right. But we have to find, well, what, how much is the number for you? Mm -hmm. I don't know how much that is for everybody. Everybody's so different. Right. So like for me, it could be 2,400 calories and for, you know, Susie soccer mom, it could be 2,800. And she's like a freak athlete that mm -hmm. needs a lot of calories to lean out. It's just so relative. Right. And so I do not think, I think every moment that we spend comparing ourselves to other people is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And let's be straightforward here too, as well, just because you're not a performance athlete, but if you're doing CrossFit every day, that's, that is high intensity training. You would agree we do need to be able to fuel and recover from those workouts. Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, let's talk about the fat loss protocol yeah. and like the potential psychological obstacles for people that are cutting in CrossFit, because if you have a lot of CrossFit listeners, this might resonate with them. So traditional CrossFit is fine. Like you're doing an hour of class a day, you're doing a really intense training program. But what people need to understand is like, once we find a relative deficit, we have to give it time. So if you're prioritizing fat loss in a performance training methodology, you're going to have really low energy. And it's tough because of, you know, the, the 
you know, the paradox that I described earlier, it's like in the gym, I only care about performance, but when I leave, I want to look hot and sexy. It's like, it's totally two different opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. So if somebody out there is going to implement a fat loss program in CrossFit, you need to buckle up and be ready for the fact that your energy in session is going to suck. Your performance is going to feel like your rate of perceived effort is going to be higher. You're going to feel hungry. You're going to feel tired. It's just the nature of the beast. It is amplified through CrossFit because the nature of CrossFit is so intense. Like even a 70% effort in a cruise, you know, assault bike session is going to get your heart rate up and feel very hard. Now, when you strip fueling away from people to elicit a calorie deficit, you're getting an increased nervous system response and people are like, oh my God, like I'm so tired. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, you're training like an athlete because CrossFit is for athletes and you're trying to focus on body composition. Now, a cool little experiment that my coach did, Mike, uh, with like an, an Apple watch, I think it was, was the device, but you know, they're not accurate, but it's, it's a cool data point of like, he had a client track a bodybuilding session and they burn more calories during the bodybuilding session with less rate of perceived effort than a CrossFit session. Mm. So like their CrossFit session, if you think about it, it was like, she did like a seven minute AMRAP and she was like, my RPE was like 10, 10 out of 10. It was so hard. But then her calories burn was like 120. Mm. It's like, the caloric expenditure for CrossFit feels like you're burning thousands of calories, but it's not in reality that high compared to a 90 minute bodybuilding session to where you're doing like over a hundred reps, low intensity, but it's designed to sculpt the body and burn calories, right? Or like a 20 minute steady state cardio session compared to like Tabata intervals. So it gets very complicated and people need to understand that if they're going to do CrossFit, it's like the energy demands of CrossFit are totally different. Mm -hmm. At that point as a coach, would you, uh, let's say somebody comes to you, Frank, they want to lose fat, but they're doing CrossFit uh, primarily for their exercise program. Would it be advantageous for them to maybe do something like three days a week of CrossFit, two days a week of maybe something a little bit slower, maybe some more lifting, maybe some more of that bodybuilding you're talking about. So then it's not just every single day, CrossFit, 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 if the goal is fat loss. Yeah, totally. I usually say two to three times a week, CrossFit most. Three might be overstepping it, but if you're in a fat loss phase, resistance training with steady state cardio, maybe some yoga, stretching, um, leisure activities, that's the king right there. Mm -hmm. That's and the king. Unfortunately, the misconception is CrossFit is really hard. It's difficult. And the media puts this out there. And because of that, I'm going to lose fat. You know, it trick, it's a trickle down effect. We talked about it already, but if mm -hmm. the goal, let the goal be the goal. And if the goal is body fat loss and looking the best you can be, we know that the best people, the best looking people on earth are, are bodybuilders. And what they, they do, builders. what they do is very different from the oh, one so hour, different. one hour of CrossFit. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a delicate topic, man. Cause I understand people wanting to do group fitness. I coach it. I, this is my world. So I'm not going to, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't shit on it, but I understand for people, if they have strict body composition goals and that's really what they want, truly what they want, then I don't know if doing CrossFit, uh, every day is a good idea. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think you nailed it because at least if you're going to implement it, know what you're getting into. Just know what you're getting into. Like when people tell me, Hey, Frank, I want to go to the CrossFit games. I'm like, you don't really know what that means, man. Like you <laughs> totally. don't know what that means when you say those types of words to me. Like <laughs> when, when you tell me you want to be a national champion, 
I'm like, do you like, do you understand what this means? Do you know what the work is going to look like when you have to put it in? Do you know what you're going to go through emotionally and like spiritually? Cause cross is like a spiritual experience, especially if you're like, you know, somebody who's really trying to improve. It's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard when you do it alone. It's hard when you're in a group, it's like you're pushing to your core. So just know what you're getting into when you set a fat loss goal, coupling it with really hard exercise or you're a performance athlete that says they want to make it to the next level. You just have to like truly understand what you're saying. Right. <laughs> and if the, if the training is different for a performance athlete um, versus a, um, you know, a body comp athlete, then the nutrition should probably be different too. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's, it's very simple. Yep. Yeah. My check-ins with a performance athlete would be more so geared around, Hey, how are your gym sessions feeling? What are the, how is your recovery? How is your emotional state in relation to how you're improving in the gym? How's your sleep quality? Things of that nature. Fat loss clients is like, okay, well, you know, were they adherent? Are they like managing their hunger in responsible ways? Are they experiencing any burnout or fatigue? Um, how aggressive is their sleep loss if they're having it? And then what's happening with their clothing situation? Is the weight dropping? Are they happy with like how things are going? And that's usually like, that's a more meticulous process than a performance athlete, right? Because performance athletes are looking only at times and loads and things of that nature, or at least they should be, right? I mean, but fat loss clients, like you have, you're measuring different things. Mm -hmm. One thing we talked about in the performance bucket was pre and post workout. Is this a different mm -hmm. conversation when it comes to the body fat uh, client or is it the same? I'd say for, all right, principles for fat loss is basically consume a calorie amount that is in a slight deficit and drag it out for as long as you can. That is my recommendation. Do not cut more calories to speed it up. Do not remove more food from your day because you're unhappy with the rate at which you're losing body fat. Do not. Okay. Find a one to one and a half pound deficit over the course of a week to two weeks and hang on to that. Consider a refeed with your coach of carbohydrates once a week. Maybe it depends um, and be patient. As far as timing, I don't care. does not matter when you get it in. If you're adherent to the calorie and macro targets every day, that is the only principle. It doesn't even matter what you eat. However, if hunger is a real big problem, which if you're in a fat loss phase, hunger is going to increase right? Because you pulled energy away. The metabolism is like, oh my God, I'm hungry. I need to find more food. I would implement more veggies, more fillers, and more quality food because now you're going to be mitigating that hunger response, right? Like you have more food to burn through. If you're eating more like actual like material food compared to if you have a pop tart, it's like you're going to be hungry in 20 minutes, mm -hmm. right? It's not very filling. That hunger is going to come back and it, it'll be emotionally challenging to manage that. So would Although you, it'll work, it'll still work if you have a, like sweets and things of that nature. Would you would you say or agree then that food quality is much more important when we're talking about the body comp client versus the performance client? I'd say in that specific case, yeah, because if somebody's hungry, it's like, okay, well, if you're eating things that are hyper palatable and really calorie dense in the sense of like a small amount of food for a high amount of calories, it's like you're setting yourself up to be hungry. And then you have to deal with that emotionally when it comes. And it's like, good luck. That's going to be hard for anybody, right? But if you're implementing quality foods, you're going to be more full, more satisfied and get less calories for more food, which is a smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's also smart on like a fiber standpoint for gut health, overall health, vitamins, minerals. But 
even fat loss clients can like get away with eating sweets like Oreos, Pop-Tarts, cereal, all that stuff. It's just dosing it appropriately for the person. Mm -hmm. Um, For performance athletes, it's like, just eat, eat food, eat it in the right amount, eat it at the right times. Um, Your your calorie intake is usually going to be higher than somebody in a fat loss phase because emphasis is on training and performance. So you're probably going to have a lot more wiggle room to implement sweets. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about being a, making sure you're eating more and a lot of people are underfed. If somebody's listening to this and they want to start eating more, Frank, I think the wrong thing to do would just be to like make yourself start smashing really- food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. the wrong thing to do. So if, if somebody wanted, let's say they don't have a coach, but they want to make these baby steps, how would you uh, approach having somebody eat a little bit more food to get into that healthy state like you talked about? That's a great question. That is a really good question. And my method is I create a calorie average for all of the people that I work with. And I say, okay, well, you know, what's their macro balance on average? What are their protein, carbs, and fats saying? And what are their calories? If you need to eat more, start with a small increase. Start by increasing protein up to maybe like one gram per pound of body weight and start there. Maybe I would say reasonable increase to start building with is like two to three weeks at 20% increase of your average from a seven week food journal. So if on average you're consuming like 1200, multiply that by 20%, add that on, maybe start off, maybe, maybe 15, 1600 calories. Cause you don't want to start smashing 2,500 cause you're going to feel good for three days, but then get fat. And that's the worst possible thing you could do. The best way that I heard it described and I've been using it is from Vince Pitstick of nutrition dynamic. And he said, it's like your metabolism is like adjusting your eyes to light. If you go too quickly, your eyes are going to feel blind. Like you're going to be blinded by the light. If you go slowly, you're going to be able to adjust the light. So it's Mm. the same thing with food. You want to slowly and incrementally um, reverse yourself up in food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great metaphor for life. I'm going to take that one. I like that. Yeah. Take it. Uh, Let's go to the third bucket here. And it's, it's a little bit uh, unique, but that lifestyle and balance, maybe what would be best Frank is if you could talk a little bit about some situations, experience, or maybe some stories of people that are in this bucket and how you kind of um, overcome some of those issues when it comes to lifestyle and balance. I think with people who work in corporate settings, people ordering out, you know, lunch for everybody is a complicated situation to navigate. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I don't think working from home really is. I think that maybe um, people with really chaotic schedules is going to be tough. This is why like you assess it on an as-need basis, right? Um, I think people who want to maintain relationships and friendships, going out on weekends, having an alcoholic beverage, um, going out and celebrating birthdays, or they have like a graduation party. It's like learning how to navigate these appropriately for their goal. Sometimes you say, screw it, go have fun and eat, which is fine. You know, I have clients that are going on vacation soon. It's like, okay, well, we can work that in. But, you know, if somebody is like really, it, it depends on how bad they want their goal. And it's like, okay, well, how do you want to navigate this? That's usually what I say. I'm like, how do you want to navigate this this weekend? If you're going out to eat and you want to maintain your relationships with your friends, let's put a drink limit, maybe two to three drinks or something like that. And if you need help navigating the menu and you know where you guys are going to eat, look at the menu ahead of time. Pick three options that you like. If you're in a phase where you're logging your food in a food journal, log each one in. Estimate you know, the salmon and Brussels sprouts meal or estimate the burger in your app or estimate the fries or like whatever you want and then work around it. You know, we shouldn't have to 
deprive ourselves of these social experiences. Some days we might go over. Yes, sure. That's fine. We might experience like gut distress. We might feel bloated. That's okay. Like one day in a month is like nothing. It's nothing. Right. And, and if you're doing this every weekend, still probably nothing. It might make you feel rough for like a day or two. But the way that we overcome this is just looking at it, being objective and saying, okay, how can I navigate this if I want to be successful? Mm. You know, sometimes it means going over, sometimes it doesn't. I think mindfulness is a really good tool, man. I, uh, I really think that if I'm going to go out to eat and have a bowl of ramen or go out and have some wings and a burger with a group of friends, I maintain my relationship. I eat delicious food and I'm responsible and mindful of the, of the decision that I made. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think what happens on top of that, and you've posted about this before, is, is people punishing themselves because of it the next day. Mm -hmm. And it could be because, okay, so I went out, I had wings, I had burger, I did all this stuff. So the next day, Frank, I'm not going to eat as much because I'm trying to mm -hmm. combat oh, what yeah. happened on Saturday night. Talk to me about why that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just a cycle. It creates a cycle. It creates a negative idea. And this is why I think having aims is useful. This is a, this is a page out of Jordan Peterson's book, right? It's like, if you don't have aims, you're taking shots in the dark. If you have aims and you miss, it's like aim small, miss small, right? Like, okay, we might miss the target this week, but that's fine. How much did we miss by? And I'm not talking on a macro target. I'm not, although those are targets and are great for this specific description, but it's like, okay, let's say you go and mess up on Saturday. Should you feel bad on Sunday? No, just like start fresh. It's a new day. Don't dwell on the past. Find a way to make today better. The worst thing that you could do is make something bad worse, right? Like we don't want to make something bad worse and dwell on it. Mm -hmm. So it's very psychological. It's very psycho-emotional. Um, but my recommendation for your listeners are to stop punishing themselves. Create aims, create intentions for the weekend. Don't make them stressful. I mean, you create your damn terms as an individual, as a client, right? You create the terms of the weekend and say, this is what I'm going to do. If you deviate, you deviate, learn from it, start fresh on Sunday, start fresh on Monday, like whenever it is. It's the same thing for performance athletes. You have a bad workout. Okay. It's like, are, are you done forever or are we going to make the next workout a little bit better? Like, what can you do? Just move on from it. Learn from your mistakes. Don't punish yourself and make one bad day, two bad days. That's my input. How Talk to me about the... the when you're surrounded with friends and let's say you're the guy in your, in your group of friends, that's prioritizing eating healthy. You're the one that's working out. You're kind of the health, not in the group. And sometimes for some this people, is real life. <laughs> for some people, this can get old for their friends. They're like, Oh, you know, he's going to DJ's DJ's going to have the salad. He's going to do that. You know, of course he's going to do this. And there can be some kind of this social dilemma, I guess that can come into that. Tell me a little bit about if you've dealt with this with yourself or with clients on how to overcome some of that, not to always be that guy or what are some advice? What's some piece of advice that you give? Cause I think a lot of people listening are very health conscious. They're working out, they're mm -hmm. exercising. They're probably the fittest in their group of friends outside the gym, which can mm -hmm. be great but can also have a, a downside too. Hmm. I experienced this a lot, especially early on before I was like known as like the CrossFit guy in my circle group or like my friend circle. Oh man. So it's tough, right? Because I, and I tell clients, it's like other people don't have your nutrition goals and they don't live your life. Everybody's going to have an opinion, but at the end of the day, the you doing the right thing for you is always the right thing to do. You have to go to bed at night with the decisions that you made in the day. They don't have to do that. It's you and your decisions. 
now it's complicated, right? Like to a point, your friends should be understanding of you, of you as a person. It's like, totally. right. Like peer pressure is pretty dumb. I, especially if you're an adult, it's like, get over it. Right. I, if I don't want to drink, I'm just not going to drink. I mean, it should be that cut and dry. I, don't, I, I literally don't understand how at this point in society, it's like you're judged negatively for not consuming alcohol. It's like, good Lord. Right. It's, it's crazy. So it's like, at on one point, it's like, who cares what other people think? Make your decision. On another standpoint, it's like, I mean, you could consume alcohol or indulge in a food. And this goes back to our last this like little discussion of like, is it going to set you back too far? Well, you know, listen to your gut. Um, there's been many situations personally where I've gone over, I've had some alcohol and, you know, I didn't feel too bad the next day. I didn't even feel emotionally bad, but that's because I have developed a skill of awareness and, and knowing, Hey, like, I'm not going to punish myself. I'm just going to make today better. Um, and then there's other times where I just don't do it. Now, my friends now, they understand that they're not like, they don't care if I drink, they don't care if I eat garbage food. If I order like the salmon and rice and Brussels sprouts, they're not going to be like, Oh my God. Like they're not going to give me shit for it. But it just depends on the friend group. You know, I mean, it, at the end of the day, I think doing the right thing that is truthful to your goal is always the most honorable thing to do totally. to a point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it gets to the point where you're like, your friends are real assholes, it's like, oh, maybe, I don't know. I, there's also the situ- <laughs> yeah. Get some new friends. <laughs> yeah, stop hanging around with those people. But another thing is this though. There have been times where I have been around a group of friends that wanted to smash drinks and I say no, and it inspired one of them to make the same decision. It inspired one of them to have the courage to say, I'm not going to eat this today or after later, after the weekend, they're like, man, like Frank's real disciplined and I got to get my shit together. So I'm going to start drinking more water and I'm going to like start walking. It's like, it's like, come on, man, that's powerful, right? I mean, just by sticking to your guns, like you inspired another human life to like make their life better. It's like, that's what's better than that. Right. Like, (laughs) yeah, I I heard something a few years ago that has really stuck with me and it's, and we kind of laugh about this stuff because it is silly, but it's also real life. Like people experience this maybe a little bit more in their younger years when partying might, might been more prevalent, but something I heard a long time ago from Michael Cashew was you always try to use the excuse of I'm on a challenge. And for some reason that gets people to be like, Oh, okay. So for instance, Hey, are you, are you drinking today? Oh no, I'm on a, I'm on an alcoholic, alcoholic free <laughs> challenge, right? I'm on this 30 day challenge. Yeah. And for some reason that registers to people like, Oh, Oh damn. Okay. Like it's all good. I'm not, I'm not going to press you. You're, you're on a challenge right now. You're, you're, you're on a, you're on a streak or whatever. Um, yeah. it's, it's silly, but for those of you out there that are in a situation, a social situation, you don't know what to literally say, try that. Yeah. That's interesting. I want, I might try that because I mean, especially if it gets people off your back, it's like, whatever. And just say you're on a challenge. It's very easy. Good oh, little quick recommendation. Yeah. That, that's cool. Yeah. Um, last question here before we wrap things up, Frank, what's something that you've changed your mind on in the last one to two years that was a strong belief maybe then? Hmm. I used to be more focused on food quality you know, like big time, like a very, very big food quality advocate. Um, I've gone through different phases of like trying to fit as much crap into my diet, but also swinging back the other way of really aggressively monitoring food quality. Um, 
I don't, I'm not really sure, man. You know, for me personally, it's different than other people. I've been a lot more flexible with alcohol in the past two years than I was in the past for sure. Like my, for me, my, um, I, cause I used to party all the time whenever I was in college. So I was like, I got to get away from that entirely. So in my mind, I was like avoiding it. Um, but recently I've been a lot more flexible with alcohol. And if you're responsible with it, you can definitely have doses of it without negatively impacting body composition, negatively impacting your hormones to like a chronic low level and things of that nature. Um, one thing that I've been doing recently is a lot more hormone education and research, um, and outsourcing, other companies to read blood work from my clients mm. and understanding the hormone impact that it has on fat loss and performance, which is insane. So that is something in the past year to two years that I've been doing within my coaching service to like, you know, consult with other people's endocrinologists, their health professionals, and making sure that other people like my clients are getting healthy. That has been a game changer for results. Very cool. Uh, yeah. What is what is something that you've bought recently, less than a thousand dollars, that has had a huge impact on you? Mm, this coffee, right here. <laughs> um, yeah, this coffee. I don't know what have I bought recently. Um, I don't really buy much stuff, man. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really buy much. Maybe that's cool, that's cool too. Yeah. I don't really buy much stuff. I like, I'm trying to think maybe no, my camera was expensive. Maybe you're actually, coach. no, no, th got these glasses, these glasses, these glasses really helped me a lot. Cause like I was looking at the screen and my eyes were getting really blurry and I was squinting. I was like, Oh my God. Like I couldn't even watch TV or look on my phone. It, you know, if you run an online business, it's like, you're constantly looking at screens. So these glasses were like $50. Yep. They're prescription blue light. Yeah. I was got like, em. yeah these for sure because now like i'm not my eye I, I don't have headaches i'm like that's a game changer yeah that was a good one that's a good answer yeah uh, last question yeah. last question of the day here if you um were to give advice to an 18 year old kid who wants to be in your shoes someday what would you tell that 18 year old kid i was looking at old pictures of me yesterday and i was like appreciate where you're at man like stop stop appreciate where you're at breathe stay present in the moment like it's choking me up right now because it's like sure i'm better than i was before right like i'm fitter than i was before more success whatever more successful whatever you want to call it right like does that even matter it's like stop <laughs> i mean dude you don't even know like what's possible and so 18 year old kids out there see all this success and fame and they want it and they want they want the fitness and they want to look good and they want the woman and they want the money. And it's like, I don't know, man, just stop and appreciate your family. Appreciate where you're at. Cause you don't know what's next. Like, I feel like that might be a little deep, but that's my recommendation, man. Is like, you know, dream big, but don't get caught up. Like we get caught up in fame and fortune and social media and, um, Perf like performing well and CrossFit or looking a specific way. It's like, none of that even matters. Like none of that, none of that matters. It matters like the interactions you have with people. Mm. Um, what matters is the, you know, the quality of thoughts that you have and, and things of that nature. None of the other stuff matters because it's all temporary and fleeting. Like it can all go. Right. Yeah. And so I think like 
especially in this younger age, these kids are growing up with social media as an integral part of their consciousness, right? Um, yeah, slow down, breathe, like experience the day and nature. <laughs> I love it. That's a great place to leave it, man. I I, yeah. I, I appreciate your wisdom, man, your authenticity. This was a lot of fun. If I want to uh, po- point my listeners in your direction. Uh, what, what, uh, what do you have going and how can they kind of see what you're up to? So I have one-on-one coaching applications available. And the reason why I do applications is because I want to make sure I can help the person through a conversation before I ever charge them money or before we ever set up a plan for them. If I can't help them, I have a network of people that are more experienced than I am, that are incredible people that I would trust any client in my client community with, period. Mm -hmm. And if I can't find a solution that I will find or if I can't be the solution then I will find a solution for them. So they could go to my Instagram page at coach Frank at coach.frankymaz. They can go to activeworksnutrition.com and fill out an application or just email me and ask me questions. Um, but at the end of the day, I will never take, I will never pass up an opportunity to help somebody when it comes to nutrition, you know, training or anything like that. So just reach out and ask. Awesome. Frank, I appreciate you taking the time, man. That was a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to that. Um, and uh, I know people are going to get a lot out of it. If they didn't get anything out of it, the number one thing is you probably need to eat more food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start small and build. But again, I like, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's, um, it's definitely a good thing for me to speak my philosophy of people and hopefully it resonates and it's not as complex as people thought, you know, but you know, it, it should be individualized for them. Totally. Guys, thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the show, give us some feedback. We would love to hear what you got out of the show and we'll see you next week for another episode on the My Fit Podcast. Take care.